Welcome to the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast. I'm your host, Mary Jolkowski. I'm an author, speaker, and all-around self-love advocate. And this is the podcast that'll inspire you to love yourself. Hello, my self-lovers. Before we dive into today's podcast episode, I want to make sure that you're giving yourself the gift of self-love. Now, if you don't know what the gift of self-love is, it's a workbook that will help you build confidence, recognize your worth, and learn to finally love yourself. And it's now available in stores and online worldwide. Oh my goodness, I've been waiting to say that because I've been working on this book for years. I poured my heart and soul into it, compiling everything that I teach at my retreats and putting it into this heartfelt, relatable, and actionable workbook for you. The cool thing is this book is a combination of me sharing my life story and everything that's helped me on this self-love journey, including body acceptance, and it's a workbook that you can actually write in. So every single thing that I share, you can put into practice right away. There are quizzes, journal prompts, self-reflection exercises, self-love challenges, all of which will help you with body image, confidence, self-worth, and self-love. I'm holding it right here. It's right in front of me and it's absolutely gorgeous. Not to toot my own horn or anything, but we've nailed the design on this one. It makes such a wonderful gift both for yourself and for your loved ones. Perhaps you have a friend that could really use this message and that, you know, needs a little push, loving push in the right direction. And I think that this book is just a great gift. Hence, the gift of self-love. So if you haven't gotten it yet, you can get it today by going to maryscupoftea.com slash book. I'm certain that the tools I share in this book will change your life as much as they've changed mine. So again, that's maryscupoftea.com slash book and give yourself the gift of self-love. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast and welcome, Jules. Thanks so much for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited. So as I was telling you right before we started recording, I found you selfishly because I was searching for people to help me with... Well, first it started with moving my business over to this project management tool called Notion. And then you showed me that you can actually put your entire life into that platform (laughs) and just live with a lot more organization and, and peace and mindfulness. And that's something that I think you do so, so well at. I'm absolutely obsessed with your platform, both on YouTube and following you on Instagram. And I'm just curious of like, could you introduce yourself and what you're all about? Yeah. So I started my blog eight years ago and, you know, it all kind of started in the mindfulness space. I was blogging a lot about natural skincare and my own yoga journey, but things have really evolved since then. And I found that the key to managing my anxiety, because I struggled a lot with my mental health when I was in high school and college, the key to managing that was actually stemming from my physical space. And so that's when my interest in clutter, organization, and all of that just kind of transpired. And then it, of course, overflowed into the digital space. I love that you bring it into the digital space because it's a space, right? And that's something we don't realize that there's a lot of clutter in that space, even though it lives in this black box that we call our phone, but it still clutters our mind. What are some tools for simplifying your digital space and creating 
a lot more peace and hopefully a little less anxiety around that. Yeah, I mean, there are so many different tools at our disposal and a lot of them are free. But I think ultimately, it's first and foremost, just being intentional about like, why am I on these spaces? And what am I going to allow to be a notification on my phone, if at all? For me, like I, I love the new focus mode on the iOS. I think it's iOS 15. I don't remember which number it is. But I just got that last night. Yeah, it's so great. Because then you can, you know, toggle to your work focus mode, and then your sleep time focus, like whatever that is. It's just having these tech companies be on board with setting boundaries with the devices that they're wanting you to be on and use all the time. So uh, yeah, I think a lot of it is first like internally, like mindfulness around boundaries that you're setting, but at the same time, matching up with making those boundaries and habits easier to choose physically. That's why I don't sleep with like my phone next to my bed. I physically put it across the room because I don't have enough self-control to not grab my phone if it's right next to me. So it's also thinking about what are some things that I can do to set myself up for success to not be tempted to do these things. And a lot of it is like a physical, you know, out of sight, out of mind. Yeah, like creating a physical barrier for yourself. I find that there's a lot of things that we know we should do. (laughs) And it's just so hard to do them, I guess. Do you have notifications on your phone? Do you organize your phone a certain way? Like, how do you treat social media? I'm just so curious because it seems like everything, at least from the outside looking and everything you post is very intentional. Yeah, I think I just try to share, you know, things that trigger me, things that get me out of my element or feeling misaligned. And that happens to all of us. Like we're very cyclical beings. We're always going to be in these different states of phases of our life. And so we can't expect ourselves to like show up the same way every day. So first is like self-compassion and grace. But yeah, I do turn off my notifications for social media apps. That does help because I can't really imagine, you know, if I saw a DM come through or whatever, like just breaking my focus and being able to just see that nonstop, especially when it's for work. I think for me, it's easier because social media is a part of my work. And so it's easier to set a work specific boundary. But I do feel for the people, you know, when it's more of your leisure time, that's your time to take a break from your work. So I think social media isn't all bad, it's neutral. And you kind of have to just know, if you are wanting to just relax and scrolling on your phone is what you want to do at that time, then that's totally cool too. It's just kind of being in tune with how does it actually make you feel? I know some people who love waking up and scrolling on their phone first thing in the morning. So it's just, it's not like a one size fits all thing. But for me and a lot of, at least my readers, we don't always feel our best scrolling and tends to like distract us from our own intention that we set for the day and ends up kind of delaying our own start of how do we want to start a day? How do we want to feel? It kind of starts putting other people's thoughts into our brain instead of checking in with ourselves first. Yeah, for sure. I really feel that. I think you're the first person I know that said that social media is a neutral thing. Can you tell us more about that and what you mean by that? I think we have the power in who we follow and we can really curate who we want to show up on our feed. We can mute accounts that don't make us feel good. We can unfollow accounts that don't make us feel good. We can follow accounts that push us to learn new things that are outside of our own 
perspectives. There's so many different powerful ways to use social media. I use it a lot creatively. I feel really inspired and excited when I see other people's content that is like filmed in a cool way and gives me ideas. You have to kind of gauge if I'm seeing an account, I'm like, oh, this account is making me feel bad about my own life, then I'm not going to go to their DMs and tell them that. I'm just going to unfollow them. (laughs) You don't message people and tell them that you hate their content? (laughs) No. Okay. Because I do that every day. (laughs) Yeah. It's so productive. (laughs) Seriously. It makes me feel so much better and definitely solves every single problem. (laughs) What about like your physical space? For example, just even creating like an inspiring space or a transitional space. Or I think one thing you you said in one of your YouTube videos is like a peaceful place. What are some tips and tools for that? If I'm ever feeling misaligned or anxious, I really like to turn to my environment. That's one of the quickest, most tangible things that I can change or shift to feel better. So with having, you know, peaceful pockets of your home. I have a little corner with my monstera and that's where my, med- my meditation cushion is or one of my few meditation cushions that I have. But this is my little pocket where I'm like, okay, my meditation cushion is right there. I have a clear open space that makes me feel good. If I'm feeling stressed up my computer, the words aren't coming out right when I'm trying to write something, then I can just grab that meditation cushion and make that decision for just two minutes to just chill. So I like to set my environment up in a place where it makes these decisions and these habits easier to access. I very much used to be a clutter bug and I held on to a lot of sentimental things. And all it took was some woman who was a professional declutterer. She told me that I didn't have to have my toaster on the counter. And I don't know why that was so revolutionary to me that like, oh, I don't have to display this toaster out on my counter when I use it once every two weeks. Wow. So I took that sentiment (laughs) and kind of just applied it to so many other areas. Like I don't need a stack of papers that I'm not really touching. I don't need 100 pins on my desk. There's so many things that can be cleared off. And when you have that space to just kind of be and not fill it all the time, then it just feels so much better for my mental health and also just more comfortable. Mm. I'm noticing even just peeping into your space right now, not only is it so incredibly stylish and well done, and I recently redesigned my entire house, actually hired a stylist to help me style my home. And we've also focused on, I think she calls them little vignettes. So they're like little little corners that are appealing to the eye, but also practical. And I really love your style because everything is like open and white. And as I was binging some of your YouTube videos, you talked about how a lot of like creating an inspiring space is also embracing, I don't know what you call it, like blank space or white space. Like not Mm -hmm. everything has to have something on it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just kind of embracing the blank space, whether that's in your physical space or even in your calendar. That's something that I really try to practice a lot. Just because there's an opening there doesn't mean I need to fill it with another meeting or another appointment, another coffee date. Sometimes it's just nice to have that open space. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I can see how that even applies to like your phone, like even the way we organize the apps. I had a friend 
or I have a friend and had a friend of one of my best <laughs> friends, I unlocked her phone and I noticed that there was nothing on the front page, like no apps. I think there was one just so she could have that blank front page. I'm like, why don't you have the things that you need to access like on your first page, like a normal person? And she's like, well, cause I love this photo and I don't want to see something on the front. I could just swipe right and get to where I need to go. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Organizing your phone is definitely something that I feel like a lot of us put off because we're using it daily and it's not the most exciting, fun thing to do. I definitely am always looking for new apps to help me organize all of my photo and video files on the phone. But as far as like apps go, we don't really need to store them all on our screen anymore. We can remove them and they can be in that app library. So that way it's like, if I'm going on my phone to use an app, I'm just searching directly for that app. And rather it being like a mindless tap on the screen, I'm just thinking of, okay, I'm going to go and access WhatsApp or whatever it is. Yeah, exactly. I've removed a lot of my apps from the home screen and just, there's literally a button now that says remove from home screen, but it's still like downloaded onto your phone, which is very helpful. Technology, I think there's a lot of space, but I think like tech ethicists are going to be really important or like tech I don't know, like designers, like almost kind of like what you do, but like strictly for tech of people being like, okay, how do we protect people's mental health and make sure we don't go insane and have tools for them to use? Yeah, totally. I actually think Gen Z is pretty great at making your digital spaces feel good because they're all about making them look nice, which then has an impact on your psychology and just like mental spaces. So I think there's so much cool stuff out there that the younger generations are doing. I think they're onto something. I am a big fan of Gen Zers too. I know it's an unpopular opinion, (laughs) but I've talked about it before on the podcast because my little sister's 13. And even just spending time on TikTok, I've noticed that it doesn't make me feel shitty. Like it literally makes me feel happy and it brings so many laughs and it feels connecting. And I read a comment actually on TikTok and it said, it was from a Gen Zer, I believe. And it said, I love how our generation can romanticize and just like embrace life's most mundane moments. Like they'll literally film just something that it looks like it's from a movie, but you realize that it's just, it's literally them pouring coffee. And I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And and those pleasures, you just take a moment and indulge in. And speaking of, you also talk about a lot on slowing down and intentional productivity. And I would actually like to talk about them both at once because I feel like even though they sound like antidotes, like slowing down and being productive, I think that the way you present them, they're actually compliments. So could you tell us more about intentional productivity and how you balance that with slowing down and slow living? For me, productivity it's kind of redefining productivity. There's the masculine productivity where it's make more time so you can do more work and fit more things in and reach XYZ goal and then keep going and hustle. The type of productivity that I feel like feels the best in my body, in my mind, and what I love talking about and how it pertains to slow living is recognizing that self-care is productive. Creating space to have leisure time where you're doing nothing or watching Korean dramas. That's like something that I love doing or going a walk with your friend. It's reevaluating what your priorities are and not just thinking of productivity as 
you producing work or making money or XYZ. It's not equating our worth to our output. So for me, it's recognizing that when you are finding those moments of stillness, those moments of self-care, that is productive because that's going to help you feel better and show up for all the other roles in your life that you play. Mm, I could not agree more. Did this come naturally to you or how did you come to embrace this mindset wise? Because I think a lot of people struggle with feeling guilty when they're not being productive or feeling like they have to earn their rest. And once they're super duper productive and get everything done, then they could veg out on the couch and watch K-dramas and and talk with their friends. But it's like one has to come before the other. Right. I sometimes think that you have to burn out to realize you don't want to constantly perpetually feel that way. And that's certainly what I did when I was living in New York. And back then I would say I was a blogger, but now it's like content creator. What do we call ourselves? Entrepreneurs, you know, whatever the title is, I was newly doing this on my own full time. And there was that sense of, oh my gosh, I have to hustle. I want to make sure that I can keep doing this on my own and not have to go back and work nine to five. But what I realized is that I was operating from this place of scarcity rather than trusting that, you know, I've reached a goal that I would have been proud to have reached two years ago. And rather than like sinking into the joy of that and just working from a place of abundance, then I could have enjoyed that time a lot more. Because looking back, it's kind of a blur. I did a lot of cool things, went to a lot of cool events, all the whatever, whatever I valued back then. I don't really remember it that deeply. And as I've gotten older, I realized I want to be present for those moments of my life, whether it's work accomplishments or personal life things. And part of that is slowing down and being grateful. Like I know it's it's not a tangible thing to hold on to, but mindset is so important. And that energy is what is going to help you flow through and do the best work you can do. So for me, it was an energy shift and reevaluating what was success to me, what is happiness to me. And I realized a lot of like the happiness and ideas of success were not centered around work accomplishments. They were personal accomplishments. For me, feeling successful is being able to not work on the weekends, taking Fridays off, or even just ending work at 6 p.m. and having a great weekend and being able to talk about so many cool things with my friends and work never even come up into that. Although work is like my passion and there's so many things that kind of flow into my personal life. It's fun to be creative with your friends, but not feel like how we do XYZ business strategy, blah, blah, blah. Like I want to be able to film a TikTok dance because it's fun, because I enjoy it. And the more you enjoy the work you do, the better the output is. Yeah, 100%. I think about this a lot. And this is a difficult hypothetical question slash thought. I feel like I've been able to embrace slow living a little bit more, not just as I get older, but as I get a little more financially stable and not just financially, but like in my relationship and with my family and the home I live in and having like having a home, like having this place to call my own, whereas for so long I was 
studying in a different country and really struggling and drowning in student debt and in toxic relationships and feeling so far and disconnected from my family and not feeling like I have a close circle or community of friends. And obviously a lot of those things come with time and work and age. But I just think about often like for somebody who feels very stuck in their position or maybe they're living in this one little room with their roommates or their parents' house or their financial situation isn't stable enough for them to be like, I'm going to clock out of work now because I don't necessarily need more money. Like a lot of people don't have that luxury. And I often think about like this balance between how do we embrace these concepts mindset wise and energy wise, because that's so important. And that often is like what will propel you forward. And at the same time, it makes it that much more difficult when you're just trying to survive. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't think there's an easy answer because it's like, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? I think we all just have different phases of our life. You know, there's definitely times where I felt like I had to just focus on surviving at work. And, you know, I was in a very toxic work environment. I'd come home crying every day and I just didn't, you know, didn't feel good in that in that phase of my life. So it's kind of like, it's the journey. And I think there's so many tools that I have now that I wish that I had when I was younger. So I think being able to be inspired by other people's tools and kind of like learning from things people share, or even just talking more about your experiences with your friends, your family, having more of a community and network. I think it's just all more information, more tools. And it's never something that can just be fixed or changed overnight. It's it's a journey, it's a process. And the things that we go through, the hard times, that's what makes us stronger and more intelligent and more equipped to handle the harder things in life. Because even if you do have a more stable career or a, a nice house or whatever it is, there's always going to be challenges along the way. But of course, some people's challenges are far more heavier they've got more things going on that like nobody even knows about in the background. No one really knows people's individual lives. But ultimately, I think it's so cool how so many people are willing to share and show up through the hard times and pass along what they've learned and their knowledge. So for me, I just take it as tools, more information. Yeah. And there are so many, plenty of people that have everything set up for them. But because they don't have those tools and their mindset is off and they don't know what to do with everything. They either self-sabotage or they just are still unhappy Mm -hmm. and continue feeling that way despite the change in circumstance. I am wondering, can we dive into some of those tools for intentional productivity? Like very nitty gritty things that you do as a creative, as an entrepreneur, like what does your day look like? Again, this is a selfish question, but there's just a few things that really popped out to me. I like how you structure your days and you have like names for every day. And I think quite a few people are still working from home right now or doing some kind of hybrid model or just in general for intentional productivity that doesn't burn you out. Yeah. So there's lots of free tools on the internet and I'm all for just using them, testing them. I'm kind of a nerd when it comes to trying new apps. I just love seeing, um, trying new things. So for me, I use Google Calendar pretty heavily. I have a video on that and I don't know if you've seen it, but it's all about 
changing your calendar colors to something that's more calming to the eye because the default colors are really loud and can be stressful. And so just the very quick, easy shift is just changing those colors to a palette that's that feels better. And then I talk a lot about this more so applies to people who have control of their schedules like entrepreneurs. But I was finding that I was working even more hours when I was working for myself because it was kind of like limitless. And I was wasting a lot of time by just task switching, going back and forth, not really having a plan when I started my day. And there are a lot of things I could tighten up and make my life easier by just doing a little bit of ahead of time prep. So I've learned a lot through trial and error with what works best for me and my workflow. But Notion, that's another tool that I absolutely love. And I've been using it for the past year and a half. I don't know, like September of last year. And it has changed everything for my business and my personal systems. So I use Notion to track my to-do list, do my yearly planning, and I track the Korean dramas that I watch, my grocery list. There's literally so many things that I do in there. That's probably the first thing that I check when I'm sitting down at my computer to start my workday. I have my content calendar in there. That's how I track the type of content that I'm creating and when it's due, when it's being filmed, all that kind of stuff. I think Notion can be really intimidating at first. And I think it's just because it's kind of like a blank canvas with so many possibilities. And I definitely, when I first tried it, I was like, this is not for me. I don't understand. And I didn't touch it for a few months. But then I finally took, I think it was like five hours on a Sunday. And I watched some YouTube videos to understand, okay, what is this tool that people say are life change, is life-changing? And so I put some time into it and it just clicked. And then the more I learned, the more I realized it's like an all-in-one workspace. I don't need Airtable anymore. I don't need Trello. I don't need Asana. I don't need five other different apps to do all these different things. I can host it in one platform. And so I really just dove in. And when I find something that's working really, really well... I nerd out on it and I want to share it with everybody. And so that's really what I've been doing, just sharing it with more people because especially people who specifically are who don't like structure and who tend to like to have free reign and and flow of their day, creatives, those are the people who actually thrive the most on programs and platforms like Notion because I was definitely the type of person who hated structure and didn't want to do the same exact thing every day and have this routine. And what I learned is that routine is what keeps me more creative by having like a morning routine and an evening routine, having a life admin day, having these specific days to do these specific things opened up more space in my calendar and more space in my brain to be able to be more creative. I love how much you geek out about Notion because it really is life-changing. And before I share a little bit about how I've been using it, what is a life admin day? A life admin day is... So I pick one day each month to do all those tasks that I don't really have time for during my week, such as making a dentist appointment, dropping off clothes to be donated, like whatever those things are, rather than letting them weigh on me every day thinking in the back of my head, oh, I have to do that. Oh, I need to do that. Oh, I still haven't done that. Rather than having that weigh me down, I have a life admin day for that. I'm like, okay, 
cool. I'm going to do it on my life admin day. Not going to worry about it right now. So those things that I kind of consistently put off, I'll just put to that one day and then just knock it out. Is this like a Monday? Is it a weekend? Is it in your calendar? Like, I'm so, so curious. It kind of depends on what's on the list. You know, if it's something like calling someone during business hours, like making an appointment, then I might have to do that like on Fridays. I've been taking Fridays off for the past few months. And it's been a long time for me working up to the point where I feel like I could do that. But it's been amazing. But yeah, so typically it's been on Fridays. But kind of depends. Sometimes it's a weekend. Yeah. And like I imagine things like bookkeeping also because sometimes I find myself doing bookkeeping on a Saturday night and it's Mm. so depressing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I don't touch that because I will mess that up. (laughs) I have an accountant for sure who does that. But yes, it's working with anything financial is is not always fun. (laughs) It's like an adulting day though. And then I know that you have certain days that you call like, I could have sworn I saw potato day. Yep. Potato day. (laughs) Okay. What is potato day? So potato days are basically when I am like in the weeds on my computer, doing more admin stuff, doing like writing scripts, recording voiceovers for videos. So like, I don't have to be seen by anyone. I don't have meetings. So like Mondays and Wednesdays typically. So yesterday was a potato day. I don't put on makeup. I don't worry about filming content. It just takes the pressure off because otherwise I could create content any day and just kind of think like, oh, at any moment I could just be doing that thing. But instead of taking the pressure off myself and knowing like, oh, Monday, I don't have to show up for anyone. I don't have to turn myself on in any way. I can just like really focus on computer stuff. So I'm usually just sitting in my yoga pants. (laughs) Which is so helpful because for me right now, every day is potato day. And it takes so much for me to like create content because I don't know, I feel like my self-care really lacks with working from home because like you talked about at the beginning, just the lack of boundaries and stuff. So for me, it would kind of be instead of having a potato day, I would probably have like a content creation day where like on Fridays, I can just do everything and be on camera and get that all out of the way. So that not only am I not task switching and the work isn't weighing over my head, but also I don't always feel this pressure to perform and this pressure to look a certain way all of the time. Exactly. And that's why I think it's so great about having themed days if you can do that because I have my content creation days on Tuesdays. Like technically I would schedule like meetings or if I'm being recorded or something on a day that I'm filming content already because I already have my hair, makeup done. I'm feeling good. And usually I'm feeling more energized on those days when I do take the time to like put on a cute outfit and do my makeup or things like that. What do you do about email? How do you approach emails? Email is one of the hardest things I think, but I have finally found like a really good workflow could always be improved, but I tested out probably 13 different email apps (laughs) in one month because I was obsessed with finding an app that would help me spend less time in my inbox. Yeah, ultimately, I have a digital decluttering toolkit, which is all about reorganizing your digital spaces. And we talk about email and how to approach your inbox. And I learned this way of thinking and moving through my emails through downloading an app that was like $30 a month. And I'm like, I'll pay $30 a month, even that sounds ridiculous, just to figure out 
how to not spend as much time in my emails. And I ended up not moving forward with that app, but I learned, you know, the hotkeys that they did and like the system that they had for approaching it. And that's what helped me like stick with my free email. What's it called? Spark, Spark email. That's what I use. It's free. But just kind of like using hotkeys to like go through it faster and archiving things as done, like things that I'm not touching anymore. It's done. It's archived. It's out of my inbox. And I finally have hit inbox zero for most of my inboxes. And I have like a pretty good workflow with that now. But I'd say email is probably the hardest thing for for a lot of people just because there's no boundaries to who's in your inbox. And that's kind of when you have to kind of decide... I'm not going to check my emails after 6 p.m. because if I do that, it's going to open a can of worms or even checking my email right in the morning. If you get an email that's a little bit stressful, that doesn't start your day off right. And then you're all up in your head about it. Yeah, I feel very, very fortunate that emails don't stress me out. But that's because when I was 18, I changed my name and thus I changed my email like shortly after. So I have this like, old, old spam email that I'll input like if a form requires an email or something like that. And I can still access it if I need something, but it's usually where all those like promotion stuff. And then I have like a personal email where it's like receipts that I actually need to keep or like I use it to sign up for accounts and it does not have an autoresponder because like no human really emails it. And then I have like the Mary's cup of tea email, which is my main email, but that's the one that's like actual real people. And I don't subscribe to any newsletters. I don't have anything on there besides things to answer. So I'm so fortunate because I feel like a lot of people are working with just one inbox trying to organize it and get to inbox zero. Whereas I'm kind of like, one is a lost cause. It's the spam one. The other one I don't look at much. And then my main one is actually real people. Yeah, no, I think that's great. I, for some reason, get subscribed to things that I don't subscribe to. And I'm like, how does this keep happening? So I know how to quickly delete things without opening them. I can just kind of tell from the subject line if it's a mass email. So for me, I approach email as decisions that I can make really quickly. And I'll do it now and do it in bulk. But if it's things that I need to like actually tackle and work on, then that's what's left in my inbox. But I try to clear out, archive, delete things that are quick decisions that don't need to be there anymore. Yeah, for sure. It's the most powerful thing you can do is delete. I set my like swipe left to automatically delete. Yeah. But I feel like we got off track because I wanted to ask or I wanted to not understate So i.e. overstate or just make sure that people know how powerful Notion can be, even if you're not an entrepreneur, even if you're not a business owner, but just for organizing your life. So like you mentioned, you organize like the movies you want to watch. Like I have a movie list and I shared it with my partner and we put movies we want to watch in there. And I'm like planning a birthday party and the guest list is in there, the budget, the caterers, like everything is in there. And what I love about it is that it's a mix between like a spreadsheet and also like super visual. So you can make it as like creative and aesthetic as you want it to be with like pictures and whatever, or you can make it like very dry and bland if you're like a spreadsheet kind of kind of person. So I just am so grateful for you for introducing me to it because your video was one of the first that I watched about Notion. 
Yeah, you can do tables, you can do lists, you could do Trello boards, and you can like type like you would in a Google Doc. So I think that's the draw of it that you don't have to have just a Google Doc or just an Excel sheet, you can have them all in one page. And you can see that at a glance. So I had a video recently talking about the financial recap meetings that my husband and I do. And so we have our own little notion page, like a acre life page. And that's where we'll write down like date night ideas. We try to do date nights on Thursdays and they alternate who just decides what. And it's not like this big extravagant plan. It's just like, oh, let's go to dinner. Let's go on a walk or a bike ride. But just like writing it down helps us so much with holding ourselves accountable to doing it. But the financial meetings that we have, it's just where we have this open dialogue about our budget and our goals. Are we, you know, spending too much in one category? You know, how are we doing? And so we keep that in notion. We have a template that we follow. And I shared my template in that video. But it's just like a bunch of like financial hygiene, financial flossing questions to have those conversations. So I think it's like a really great tool to use with your partner, with your roommates. And just individually, there's obviously so much you can do in there. Trying to think like what else I've put in Notion. Oh, you know, anything that I want to learn more about. So if I value learning Korean language, then I have like my Korean notes in there and I have the different links to the different resources that I'm using. So there's just endless things. (laughs) Yeah, it's everything in one. They have like website clippers. Like if you want to bookmark instead of like endlessly bookmarking pages, you're never going to go to. They have like ways you can do that. It's like a Google sheet meets project management meets the notes app on your phone and reminder. It just like literally everything. It just combines everything so well. Even currently for the podcast, we used to use how most people I think do it is use like a Google Drive or like a shared folder of some sort. And then you send emails to each other. And then you have like social media graphics attached somewhere or put somewhere. And then you have a million folders. And it's just so much. And right now with Notion, I have everything in one place. Like once we're done recording this episode, I'm going to upload it to the same page that has the show notes, that has all the links that has the social media graphics, that has your information, that has the posting date, that has just literally everything all on one page for both me and my team. And what's really great, the cherry on top, is that Notion is pretty much free unless you're managing like a giant team or sharing it with a billion people. I think that you can just use the free version and then share it with your partner, right? Yeah, you can pretty much do everything on the free tier The only reason I started paying for it was when I wanted to create my course inside of Notion because I was uploading video files, which would be over the limit. And I wasn't embedding like YouTube links. I was actually uploading videos. So you can get away with a lot just using the free. And if it's for personal and you're not sharing it, like you said, with the whole team of people, free will be all you need. And they have a good app and iPhone has like widgets too that you can like easily access certain places. It has been the best thing in the world. And I think I pay like $5 a month, like you said, just for the storage space of like the audio files, video files. Yeah, love that you share the Notion passion and thank you for introducing me to it. Jules, before we wrap up, I'm wondering what is something that has been bringing or some things that have been bringing you joy lately? 
For me, I've just been on this journey of reconnecting with my culture, with the Korean side of me. And so my mom and I have been on this journey together. My mom's full Korean, I'm half. And growing up, there was a lot of things that she didn't really want to like do with me that work more Korean because she wanted me to be as Americanized as possible. And looking back, she is ever since my grandparents died on her side, she's been really, really craving that reconnection with our culture. So we've both been doing that together. And I've, it's been bringing me so much joy because I'm actually learning more of the language. I, I mean, I knew minimal Korean growing up just from family, but I feel like it's just unlocked this whole new level of just growth for me and for my relationship with my mom. So that's been bringing me so much joy. Love watching K-dramas, love listening to Korean indie music, been doing lessons and learning. So yeah, it's been super fun. That's so beautiful. I really relate to that because I'm first generation American too. And it's so nice that your parents moved with you, not with you, but five minutes away from you. I sound like a stalker. I'm like, they live five (laughs) minutes from you. No, you shared on your Instagram that they moved close to you in Texas, which is so great. Yeah. They are building a house down the street from us. So I didn't think that was ever going to happen, to be honest. And it did. So super excited. Well, congratulations. And I just commend you for going against what a lot of society is doing right now, which is like trying to be independent and hustle and burnout and has maybe not the wrong things as priorities, but things that don't seem to be serving us as a collective. And just thank you for going against that and sharing your journey along the way. And before we farewell, can you tell us about where we can find you on the internet and where we can work with you? I know you have a course that seems incredibly helpful called Simplify and Thrive. Tell us more about that. Yeah. So my course, Simplify and Thrive, is hosted in Notion. So it's really just like the best platform to be able to integrate the things that you're learning in the course. It's all about creating more time, space, and energy in your life for the things that matter most to you. And you get to decide what that is. And so it's self-paced. It's really intuitive. And it dives into mindset, your physical home space, productivity, your own systems. And we talk about things from finances to your closet. So it's just really a 360 degree look at intentional living. And it's been so much fun creating and it's been so much fun, you know, hearing from people who've taken the course. So that is on my website at omenthecityblog.com slash simplify and thrive. So your blog and website is omenthecityblog.com. And I know you recently changed your Instagram handle to your name. Yes. Jules Acree. Yes. Yes. Jules Acree. I do have julesacree.com, which has all of my offerings on there. It's also hosted on Notion. You should definitely check out different web pages you can create in there. It's so much fun to customize. But yeah, if it's easier, julesacree.com has all that too. Perfect. That is so wonderful. I'm going to link everything as well as some of the YouTube videos that we talked about and Simplify and Thrive in the show notes. And just for people who are interested in Simplify and Thrive, I know you said it's self-paced, but approximately how long is it? You can finish it in, you know, like four weeks if you wanted to. But I think a lot of the things that you want to implement, you would want to pace yourself because sometimes, especially the first 
two modules can feel like a lot to tackle. And I just want people to know that this isn't an overnight process. But if they need the accountability, then they can definitely pace it out to four weeks. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing yourself and your wisdom with us, Jules. This has been a pleasure. And yeah, I just really appreciate you even just personally for the stuff I'm doing in my life. Oh, well, I appreciate what you're doing too. I'm also a fan. I love all of the knowledge and the self-love that you bring to the internet. Definitely needed. So thanks for having me. Thank you. One last thing before we farewell. If you've been enjoying the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast, we would greatly appreciate if you could leave a short review on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts. Your feedback helps the show so, so much. I absolutely love hearing from you. And as somebody whose love language is words of affirmation, your words mean the world to me. Just go to the Apple Podcasts app and scroll all the way down until you see the review section. And from there, you can just tap the star thing and leave your own review. Thank you so much for supporting me and this greater message of self-love for all. Also, feel free to send this episode to a friend and spread the gift of self-love. And speaking of the gift of self-love, make sure you pick up my book, which is available in stores and online worldwide. Just head to maryscupoftea.com book and you'll find all the links to give yourself the gift of self-love. I love you all so, so much and I will talk to you next time. Mwah.